What's up? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm an artist and a designer and the founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. And this is the Art Pays Me podcast. I love talking to creative people about their business, their successes, their challenges, and how they make the world a better place with their work. Let's get into it. I recently had the pleasure of participating in Black Designers Connect. It's a workshop panel that's part of the Black Diamond Ball. Black Diamond Ball is an annual event that celebrates Black culture across Canada. The panel was hosted by Dr. Dory Tunstall, the Dean of Ontario College of Art and Design University, who also happens to be the first Black woman to be Dean of a Faculty of Design. I've uh, been an admirer of her for a while, so I was deeply honored to be asked to participate in this panel with fellow artist and designer Tafui. Tafui and I you know, shared some of our business strategies, discussed the implication of being a black person in the creative industry, and some of the social responsibility that can come with that. I, um, I thought that the conversation would be valuable to you, like the listeners of the podcast, so I asked if I could share it, and everyone agreed. So, you know, I hope you enjoy it, and you can also find it in video form at artpaysme.com. Good morning. I am Dory Tunstall, your host for the RBC Black Diamond Ball Workshop Connects, Black Designers Connect. Um, as your host, I would like to introduce myself. I am a multi-generational African-American heritage I'm the Dean of Design at OCAD University and the first Black and Black female Dean of a Faculty Design Anywhere. I'm here in lockdown in Takaranto, also known by its colonial name, Toronto, on the lands of the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Haudenosaunee, the Anishinaabe, and here in Wendat. And uh, just a little bit about me, I've started in my background as a classically trained anthropologist, but got into design in the late 90s. And since then, I've been focused on um, bringing a critical perspective to design, especially as it relates to decolonization, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And as part of the topic today, making sure that as designers and artists that we get paid um, what we're worth. So I have brought today two amazing guests from coast to coast. Um, so why don't you, uh, and I always like for people to introduce themselves. So why don't you introduce yourself, Duane? Hey all, uh, my name is Dwayne Jones. I was born and raised in the tiny island of Bermuda and uh, I am better known as the creative director and founder of lifestyle brand Art Pays Me. I also do records and information management for Dalhousie Faculty of Medicine and I'm uh, currently based in Chibuktuk, otherwise known as Halifax. Right, and tell me a little bit how you got your career started. So, uh, you know, when I first started, actually, I, I've been an artist my whole life as a kid, but I actually wanted to be an accountant. And um, <laughs> this, I, my grades didn't really live up to it. So my, my school took my, uh, my high school wouldn't let me continue with the accounting mm -hmm. program. And all I really had left was art. So I put my energy into that. And uh, my high school art teacher said that I seem like I have a good eye for graphic design, which I had no idea what that was. And, uh, pursued it at Bermuda College. And then from Bermuda College, they led me to Nova Scotia College of Art and Design and to Halifax. And here I am. 
<laughs> Good morning and, and welcome. Um, Tafui, um, introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. Good morning. My name is Tafui. I'm originally from Kingston, Jamaica. I'm an independent artist and designer, and I'm currently based on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh people, also known as Vancouver. And how did you get started in your careers? Um, and, you, and you notice I said plural. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, you know, since I was uh, about five years old, uh, as I've always said, it's um, my teacher introduced me to art when I wouldn't stop crying. So it was a method that she used with me to paint every day as soon as I came to class um, as a way of pacifying me. And I fell in love with art since then. And I've it's been, you know, tunnel vision to doing art since I was about five. And that led me to um, study um, in Montreal right after high school. Um, I would come to Canada on vacation to see family, um, fell in love with Montreal, um, went to CGEP and I did um, studio arts in CGEP at Dawson. And then I moved on to Concordia University where I majored in design. And I think the program of studying design in the way I did that fused, um, so many different mediums. So it's also it's industrial design, there's graphic design, there's multimedia. And then I just somewhat added all the other areas of design that I loved to in my elective classes, like textile design. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, when I finished school, I thought I was just going to do product design, mainly digital products like web web-based work or physical product design. Um I had moved right back to Jamaica as soon as I was, uh, was done school. And, you know, the, those options are a bit limited at that time. So I went into advertising. Um, so I worked as an art director in um, a few ad agencies. And then I moved on to um, lecture in um, design um, at the University of the West Indies. Um, at the same time, when I was doing all my graphic design work, I was also painting. Um, so I would do my nine to five and then do the five to nine or five to 12. And that was mainly painting. So I would exhibit. Um, and during the time when I was exhibiting, um, activism came in my work. So as a painter, and it was also a way to separate me from my, you know, my regular day, day job that was very much based on um, promoting someone else's brand. Mm -hmm. And um, I used the opportunity to um, speak about things that I found weren't fair or that wasn't just. Um, and at the time, um, I spoke about um, LGBTQ issues in Jamaica and um, with equal rights. And, you know, I also talked about police brutality in Jamaica because that's also an issue for the same reason with. Um, colonialism, it doesn't matter what country it's in, it, um, it works the same way. So um, then after I finished, um, you know, after a few years, I actually moved back to Canada. And I also worked as um, an educator at um, a professor at um, the local college there in design. And at the same time, I always painted and, um, and taught and then I just went full time into um, consulting. Okay. Here we are today. <laughs> that was a lot. 
No, that's what we that's what we're here for. We're here to get to know you. So I always like to start with joy. So what is experience in the last week that has brought you joy? So for me, connecting with all of you this week has completely brought me joy. I've been so I've admired you and followed you on social media. And so to be able to connect with you in these last sort of week or so has just been really quite joyful and beautiful. You got it. Me? <laughs> yeah. Me here. You know, it was, um, the, you know, the night when um, everything announced, I think um, we started talking and, um, and it's just really great to meet other creatives across the country because it's not often that where um, you find each other, and um, you know also planning the the fundraiser that we're doing with OCAD. It's it's been such a pleasure just working on a vision that I had last year and it's now coming to light. Mm -hmm. um, we'll talk more about that later. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I have to concur. Like that's this has been amazing just connecting with y'all. Uh, but then I also had just a simple one uh, at the end of the week where I had been hemming and hawing over a particular t-shirt design and finally just put it out. And I was so happy with the way it turned out. And it's just, I don't, you know, just, ha I was just excited. Those are the big joys, right? <laughs> Having your design turn out right, that is major joy, major joy. Yeah. Um, so again, what we're really kind of focused on is like how how we manage, right, to sustain ourselves through our creative activities, as well as what's really important for, for many of us Black folks, right, is also giving back to our community. So how have you managed um, to sustain yourself through your creativity, as well as give back to community. And and we'll start we'll start with you, Tafui, and then we'll go to Dwayne. I just find it's always, um, you know, within the past few months or so, it's been uh, I've been particularly mindful of um, of self care. You know, we're stuck at home. It's easy to stay inside all day and not get a breath of fresh air, especially if you're not in Vancouver, like, um, well, I can't even say that now because we got snow this morning. <laughs> but, um, you know, for the, the the entire time, you know, we've been lucky here and I've been able to go out at least four, make sure that I go outside for at least four days a week and um, mindful meditation in the mornings when I can't go outside. And then by giving back to the community, I've, um, you know, it's something that I've pretty much tried to do um, throughout my career, whether it's having a blog that I had a few years ago for about five or six years. It was an art and design based blog. So it would be promoting um, Canadian artists and designers. And then now um, with the, the new project that we're working on with OCAD and, and Vancouver Art Gallery for the um, raising funds. So and so, how have you been able to like financially sustain yourself through your creative work? Because you again, you went through a little bit of like your career. Kind of, where are you in terms of managing like all the different things that you need to do to to sort of so, financially sustain? So for me, it's um, isn't that funny how I thought about sustaining it? <laughs> No, it's not funny. It's true. That's where we're at. <laughs> yeah, like now, it's like just basic stuff. You know, what can I have for breakfast? I'm a, you know, um, 
It's, I, I juggle both. So now I have, um, you know, I have an online store that I've been running for about five years now. And so I sell art prints. So because I know that there are real issues, I mean, when I was in school, I was never able to afford like uh, an original piece of art. So I wanted to make my art more accessible. So I started making prints of my work. And then I've um, used that artwork and I put it on uh, with textiles and I've made products with those. So it's about giving people access at what, whatever level that they're at is what I've been really trying to do. So I, you know, that kind of just, my website kind of was just um, somewhat of, um, you know, uh, me just testing it out to see how I could help my clients be better at e-commerce. Mm -hmm. It was like a research project and I figured I can't give someone advice about their website and how they could run their e-commerce better if I don't have one myself. <laughs> I started doing that and that became, you know, like a whole passive income all on its own. And um, my work is now sold in gift shops like Bank of Art Gallery and the Auto Art Gallery and some retail stores. And then lots of people um, buy directly from me um, just, you know, through word of mouth, social media and the art shows that I also have. And then, like I said, too, I have a design practice where I um, have now specialized in um, helping retail stores um, tell their show have a, a better brand voice online. So I've um, helped a few businesses um, refresh their aesthetic, like their logo, their their voice. I you know do um, styling for their products too um, for their websites. So it's um, these different models to mm -hmm. like the art model, and then there's the the design model that I just work. Um, simultaneously that way. And, and can you break down, cause you, you used a term passive income. And so some people may not know what that is. Like, it's one of those things everyone says, if you want to have a wealth, you need to have the majority of your income being passive income. Something I haven't learned personally, but I'm working on it. Can you break that down a little bit for um, everyone? So um, um, there is an, your active income, and there's a passive income, or you can just say um, your side hustle. <laughs> you know, some people call it their bear money. I don't. I don't particularly drink bears, so I use it on other things. So um, that would be like if you make um, two thousand dollars a month, the the passive income would be your five hundred dollars in addition to your nine to five job. Just something to kind of tide you over until the next paycheck comes. It's um it's usually a passion project for lots of people um, because it's not generating a huge amount of income at the beginning, and for me, you know, it's um it's gra it's really grown between when I started and and now, mm -hmm. and um, you know, like they say, it takes five years for every business to really become profitable, and it's you know it's true. Well, one of the things I always like about passive income is, is is we is we talk about like with active income, you have to show up to get the paycheck, right? So if you're consulting, you have to show up to get the paycheck. If you're if you're making even if you're making art, right? Like you have to show up and make it, right? And what's yeah. great about passive income is like you could literally be sitting in your chair and money will be flowing in. And so there's a way in which that um 
again, being able to uh, have like a backup, right? Like that backup income coming in that you don't have to put more hours towards beyond kind of the hours that you, you said is like one of those things that I try to encourage more and more of my students to think about, especially in art and design where it's like, okay, put your pattern on Redbubble or whatever, whatever, and then you'll be able to sort of get some other income out of it in, in another way. Yeah. So. You know, I also think um, it's a good idea for us to not think of ourselves as the medium that we use. So mm -hmm. like if you're a painter or if you're a graphic designer, don't just think of um, that medium. So for example, I really was, I was listening to a lot of, um, musicians talking about how they make their money. And they if you think about it, musicians make one song. <laughs> song can make them so much money. And how can we do that as a, as a visual artist? And for me, that's through making prints and you can license, I license my patterns and my mm -hmm. artwork for other people to use. And that's how you can make that, that's physically how we can make that passive mm -hmm. But I always think of like athletes, right? Where again, they they may get their salary from you know like the the NBA, but they're making more money on endorsements <laughs> and all these yeah. other sort of incomes. Yeah. Which again, you go in for an hour, and then you're getting paid and paid and paid and paid and paid based on that. So it's a it's a good way to think about like what other models that we can use from other um, other businesses, other industries. Yeah. So. So Dwayne, tell me, how do you manage to sustain yourself through your creativity as well as give back to community? So yeah, I co-sign everything that the, both of you just said, I, I agree. Uh, partially for me is, I yeah, I do the same thing. I look at different revenue streams. So a lot of people would consider my day job and in information management not necessarily creative, but it's actually a type of design. So, and me coming from a graphic design background, when I went into that industry, I was able to make those those strong connections. So that right there is my um, my steady income. And then I also like to have places outside where I have ownership. So that would be Art Pays Me where, you know, like I said, like I just make something and it turns out it doesn't turn out, it's on me. And I don't really care if it sells, it, it does, it doesn't. Um, but over time it has, gone from a passive thing to me more of an active thing and so i'd say my income is split between those those worlds mm -hmm. and um also uh i i don't really advertise this so much but i do graphic design consultations still so okay. the interesting thing about when you start really putting your vision out and letting people know exactly how you look um your aesthetic is people start coming to you uh, for that kind of work and you don't necessarily have to promote. So that would probably be my second biggest revenue stream, just mm -hmm. uh, doing branding, logo work or whatever the case may be for people. Cool. Um, so why don't you tell me like how and why did you start um, Art Pays Me? Yeah, so there's a couple of things. Actually, and the giving back part, I forgot. Uh, I, 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 I volunteer a lot of boards and committees as well. Okay. And um, so Art Pays Me kind of came together from, you know, we're all kind of told at a young young stage in life, well, not all of us, but a lot of us that 
artists aren't necessarily supposed to make money or they can't make money. And there's always someone who's like, you like doing this. It's okay for you to do it for me for free sort of thing. And uh, when I went to school, I first graduated, you know, when you're in school, like this design stuff is the most important thing in the world. And then you hit the real world and you realize it's often uh, one of the lower valued things Mm -hmm. in a business. And uh, it was a hard pill to swallow for me. And I didn't really necessarily know how to deal with it. And I did have situations where clients would say, hey, you know, do this for free and you'll be you'll be my guy. I'll come to you uh, every single time. And then they come back to you with more free work or more really low work. work. And you're just like, just saying, just saying what I I went to school for. (laughs) Um, uh, But so, you know, after like years of actually of of doing this, I worked as in-house designer at Dalhousie uh, in the medical school. And, you know, I just got frustrated with just feeling like the creative industry, um, it just felt like it wasn't a sustainable place to be. So I took advantage of my time at Dow and started studying information management and got a master's degree with that. But the irony of, of doing that was that I started to realize that the people in my cohort came to me from my unique perspective. And the reason I had a unique perspective was because of my creative background. So, um, you know, while all this was happening, I was actually trying to eliminate clients from my my practice, and I started a clothing brand called Big Literati. So I was kind of growing this this independent creative thing while also um, going into a completely different direction. And um, yeah, but just hearing the way people talked about what I was doing, it I started applying like that same thinking to the opposite. So the way I was bringing my art thinking to information management, I started bringing my information management and business thinking to my design clients and to my artwork. And I realized that part of my problem and frustration with clients was I had a hard time demonstrating value to them and I had a hard time speaking their language. And once I was able to speak to them a little better, I was able to command the rates that I wanted And I was also even having better creative results because I could convince them that this is why they should go this direction versus another direction. And, um, you know, all this is still going on. This big literati thing is, is happening. Uh, big literati ended up being the precursor to art pays me. So, um, I was feeling like it wasn't moving the way I wanted to move. And my friend Bo had a, a creative agency at the time. So, I, and he offered to like do some branding work for me. So uh, he worked out a good deal for me. So we, we exchanged some, some services and mm-hmm. uh, he basically said, look, um, you've got a t-shirt that says art pays me on it. And everything you talk about in this brand goes along those same lines. And it seems like nobody could tell you what big literati was. It's always a big conversation. You having to explain what this word means and not, but art pays me is something that people can grasp right away. It's mm. like you're, you're hashtagging it everywhere on Instagram. I think you should rebrand this art pays me. Keep it simple. And if you don't do it, I'm going to take the idea. And I was like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we've been rocking ever since. And um, 
you know, I started a podcast in the last two years, year and a half now that's along the same lines. And I just interview creatives and try to grow the brand that way as well. I mean, one of the things that you um, that you talked about was um, barter. We, we, we don't actually talk a lot about the fact of like we can barter our services and exchange our services uh, with other people. And, then I, and I think about that a lot when um, when I think about giving back. Like it's always, the thing I always tell my 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 students is like never do anything for free, you know. Emancipation Proclamation: Black folks are no longer allowed to do anything for free because we gave away our labor for free, or our labor was taken for free for a really long time. So if you're a black folk, you should never do anything for free. But that doesn't mean that you can't barter, right? That doesn't mm -hmm. mean that you can't exchange. And so. Um, just tell me a little bit about kind of some of the other let's bartering or exchanges that you've done in some ways, again, as, as a means of giving back. Yeah, that's important. Uh, and also like, yeah, when I talk about art pays me, yeah, money is important. That, that was kind of like the initial thing that got me frustrated, but pay is so like, it could be in so many different ways. Uh, so you know, when it comes to photography, photography is expensive. Sometimes I pay a photographer. Sometimes they say, hey, I just want you to send me some clothes for the next little bit. Uh, sometimes they um, want other things. So it, it, it's important that whatever way you can bring value to each other, you you at least work out. And I think that's what it kind of ends up being. It's like a, a value exchange that you're mm -hmm. really looking for. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, so then um, as we wait for Tafui to join us back, um, so you were you were beginning to talk about this a little bit, but can you tell me about like your earliest experience in which you did work and you felt you were not being paid what you what you were worth? And then by comparison, can you describe a more recent experience in which you felt you were paid what you were worth? Yeah, I'm glad you asked about that. So like one of the major catalysts, and I still think about this a lot. Uh, in my first job, I was working for this magazine. I was art director, but we ended up meeting my, my one of the great things about that was my, my boss really let me sit in in a lot of meetings and I got to meet a lot of people through that process. But what ended up happening was I met people at agencies and things like that. And one of these guys left the agency and wanted to start his own thing and he was in marketing and he would approach clients and come up with all these big plans and everything else but he didn't have a designer to execute these ideas so he wanted he would approach me for it and he would always like have these big promises of yeah i'm going to pay you on the next one i'm going to pay you on the next one and um it never happened and so one of the things that stuck with me is um what happens if artists or designers take the middle person out and we talk, mm -hmm. we, you know, we can eliminate some of those. If we, you know, if we learn how to talk to clients, then we don't need someone to talk to clients on our behalf, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, so that was one of the things. And I say most recently, and I, I'm a chronic, I, I talk about all this stuff, but I'm a hypocrite and I, I talk about it because I need to, I need the lesson and mm -hmm. I'm a chronic <laughs> undercharger. So <laughs> um, <laughs> another uh, an agency approached me last year and they wanted my help on a on a logo 
that they for a, a brand that they were developing and i actually charged what i felt was high but fair and you know ultimately it ended up working out the the whole client process was painless mm-hmm. so there was no like stress over concepts and timelines and all this other stuff that I was so used to dealing with. And I actually got paid what I felt was, was fair for the effort. So um, it, it was, it was a reminder to, to just don't be afraid to put your foot down and say, Hey, look, this is what I'm worth. If you don't want to work with me, it's okay. Yeah. One of the things I did about two years ago is I um, like, when I give talks, I set up a sliding scale. And so it's like if you're a for-profit company of, and I'll 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 tell you what it is. Like if you're a for-profit company of like making over a million dollars, it's twenty five thousand dollars, right? If you're one of my favorite institutions or a, like a grassroots organization, like the minimum is five hundred. But like I said, if I really like you, we could work out some exchange, right? But I mm-hmm. but it was one of those things that made it very clear and simple. Um, especially like right now where like blackness is the new flavor. So everyone wants like the black speaker. So I just send, you know, like I, I have Marianne, my EA send my sliding scale. So, so it's like, you just tell me where you fit in the organization and that's your price. And it was really interesting in the sense of like, well, first of all, people paying the price, right? So there's large corporations were like, okay, we'll pay this. No problem. Um, Others were like, um, were shocked. <laughs> and there was a little bit of sticker shock. And then I explained, you know, but when I broke it down, I sort of say, well, I'm probably at my career. Like I could probably ask for more, but I'm asking for this. And, and, and it's important for me to ask for this because other people, like if, I, if my rates are low where I'm at, then that means that I drop the rates for everyone else lower. So I'm going to keep pushing my rates higher so that I push the rates higher for everyone, right? Yeah. And so after I kind of explained that, then some people were like, okay, we'll come back to you next year when we have our money, which is interesting because they are. Like it wasn't like they were just like trying to brush me off. They're like, okay, we, we talked to so-and-so. We we're partnering with this one to get more money to be able to bring you. But it was, for me, it was an important step in showing, demonstrating my worth in a way that made it uncontroversial. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. if you make it more than a million dollars, you have no excuse to be saying, we're gonna pay you $500 for this, right? And, um, yeah. and so it was super clear. So welcome back, Tafui. So the question is, Tell me your earliest experience in which you did work and felt you were not paid your worth. And then in contrast, tell us about a recent experience in which you felt you were paid your worth. Wow. Um, you know, when I, um, when I finished school, I went back to Jamaica and I had my dad who was um, my, um, consultant <laughs> you know he's always my consultant since I was like five I would go and tell him um, uh, stories about what happened and he would always advise me and it wasn't any different um, once I was done school um, the first job that I had I wasn't sure um, 
you know, I was living with my, my parents at the time and I didn't know like how much should I charge? This is how much they said they're going to pay me. So I accepted it. Um, and then I worked there for a month. And then when I got my pay minus the, you know, all the taxes and insurance and all of those things, I like started to look for an apartment and I started to do research on how much it would cost for me to get a car and the rent and savings and all the things just to live. And I was like, I'm short, I'm short by like a lot of money. So I went back to my boss and I said, I know I agreed for X amount of money, but since um, I, worked a month and now I'm realizing how much it's actually I, I'm going to get in my account it it's not enough and then I brought a pen and a paper and I wrote down this is how much the rent is this is I did research and I said this is how much it's going to cost for me to get a car you know I'm not gonna, I don't want to live with my parents forever so you know I need this and these are the other things that I need uh, and plus I need to save and he looked at me and he said, you know what, Miss McLean, this is a good thing. You know what you did? And you are right. You do deserve more money. And he gave me the, the additional. Um, what? Yeah. I, I, I was saying that like only in Jamaica. You know, I think, um, you know, like if we look at the humanity in all of this, and by saying, you know, this is what I need to live. And if the person you're negotiating with cannot see that, it means they're not seeing you. And it means you shouldn't be working with them, period. Because that's just not going to be a healthy relationship. So, you know, like just start out by respecting yourself enough to do the work, present yourself in the best way you possibly can. So when you ask for what you should be paid, you will get it, they will get it. And if they don't, you'll get something else. That's my philosophy on that. But it also though reminds me, I mean, to, to, to speak about like, like my sense only in Jamaica, right? Is that when we, um, when we met the first time you told the story of like a, a peach, right? Was yes. it a peach or mango? Is it mango? Was it mango? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And, and, and so I do think like that, you know, like in the context of being here in Canada, there, there, the reality of the fact that especially as black folks, that value and that worth is not seen, right? Like I would yeah. imagine that scenario playing out quite differently <laughs> here in Toronto. If you, even if you presented all the math and all those sort of things, it's like, oh no, you signed a contract and you're done with that. And, you know, you'll just have to, find another side hassle or whatever to be able to do that. So can you talk a little bit, I, I, I think it's important to talk okay. about like the yeah. context of that, right? You're right, and that I need to give it context. And another reason why I um, have my own business is for that same reason. It's that when I moved back to Canada, um, when I was just looking for jobs in um, say advertising or design, it was always, um, I was just the anomaly in the room, you know? It's like if I'm at a gallery and I have a show, I'm, you know, it's me and my husband as mainly um, the the Black people in the room. And, um, you know, you're 
hyper um, um, marginalized at times. And people um, have said things like, um, oh, your work is so sophisticated for someone from Jamaica. I mean, how do you respond to something like that when you're in the middle of a job interview and you know they say it's like a backhanded compliment? Um, and you know, um, and that's the reason why I decided to even go into consultation and design and um, while I was teaching because I you know wanted to um, not have to deal with um, constantly. Um, um, trying to prove that I can do the work. So for me, that was me showing that I could do it through having a blog. So I built a community of people who knew what my aesthetic was and what they would, what to expect when they, they got, you know, they worked with me and it's, um, you know, like they're already familiar when you walk into the space. And, and that's how I started to get clients, particularly with retail is, is through the blog that I had. So, um, then, you know, I would negotiate again. I brought that same girl in the room that graduated school. I bring her with me every time, you know, I'm negotiating things. And, um, <clears throat> and sometimes, like you said, you go with based on what you know that the business can afford and you work from there. Um, but definitely there, I still have to, um, I still have to renegotiate, you know, whether it's an art show and, um, you know, based on how much I think I should be paid for the job. And if it's, <clears throat> if I'm doing something different than what other designers or other artists might be bringing to the table, then I'll point that out and say, well, you know, I'm going to be doing this particular piece. This is how long it's going to take me. I'm going to need an assistant. I'm going to need X, Y, Z. And therefore, this is how much I'm charging. Mm -hmm. communication and like I said it's going to be difficult to um at times especially when you're younger because you're a little bit insecure to actually um to actually stand up and uh, for yourself and how much you think you should be paid um but you can also do your own projects if you are if it's too stressful for you to be constantly negotiating for your payment, then start your own thing. Start something really small. You know, Art Pays Me is a really good idea. He's basically putting um, his art on, on, he's making wearable fashion, you know. I do um, home fashion and I make prints. So then the same people who will buy your prints and his t-shirt already like, they're already sold, you know. So <laughs> they're, they're more likely to come to you and say, can you do this for me too? I've had a client who um, uh, who bought a bunch of my paintings and he came to me and asked me to design his entire house. I'm not oh. a So those things actually do happen. Uh, and um, so things, they already a fan. So he just said, you know, I really like the way <clears throat> your mind works and I like the way you present your work and I'd love to see that translated in my house. And um, we did that. Wow. Mm -hmm. so, so can you tell me uh, about your current art exhibition? This is Tafui at the Vancouver Art Gallery 
and the kind of partnership that you've set up with us, OCAD University, to fund scholarships um, for OCAD University Black students. We're so excited. We're so excited. Um, so where did this innovative ideal come from, and, and what impact are you seeking um, through it? Um, so I unfortunately lost my dad um, in 2017, and um, I think, you know, it, it, it takes you years to just come to terms with losing someone who's, um, who has had a huge impact in your life. And, um, you know, there, you know, we, um, when he got sick, I was sitting by his bed and we would talk and, um, you know, I promised you know, a lot of things. And um, another thing was just to make sure that he's proud and to make sure that um, he's remembered. Um, so this, and you know, what happened last year, um, George Floyd and, and, you know, it really kind of reinforced um, something in me to um, take action and um, because his life had an impact and still has an impact on my life. And I've never met him. And just to think that his child uh, is now growing up without their father, I could not imagine where I would be if I did not have my dad in my life. And then to know that, you know, um, she has this imagery of her, la her dad's last minutes. It's all there for us to see. and. You know, I wanted to um, do something for um, my dad, and not just for my dad, but to to um, to. I'm still working on speaking about him without yeah. getting. No, no, it's it, that feel. Let the feels flow. Let the feels flow. flow. Like, like <laughs> this is an ocean of. of <laughs> so, um, you know, I really wanted to um, impact someone's life the way he impacted mine, and the most, besides my life, the most precious gift he gave me was my education, and um, you know. Um, and and like building my confidence by really letting me believe that there's nothing that I can't do. And it's because I feel that way and he has empowered me to be that way. Um, is why I wanted to help someone else. Because you know, when I went to school, there's a lot of my friends, especially in CJEP, were just um, really surprised that I was doing art or design because they just thought it was a complete waste of time or my parents would never pay for that because you're not going to get paid. And so why don't you, you know, become a social worker or go into medicine? And I thought, you don't want me as your doctor. Like, <laughs> trust me, you want a doctor who wants to be a doctor, whoever you're working with, you want them to be there because they want to be there, not because someone made them um, take this decision. And it's something that's really under, doing what you love is um, really underrated. And it's like, you're seen as if you're this um, kind of flower child. 
but it's it's so important because then you make the ex, the extra effort and you take the extra steps to do it the best that you can and for for not just me for us because this is a community effort um to be able to do this for someone um it's so important and why ocad it's because of you dory <laughs> your efforts you know it's you you laugh but i i know that what you're doing at ocad with you know between the people who are there it's definitely going to change the face of canadian art and design and as someone who has been through two um post-secondary um level education within the art it's extremely eurocentric and um i've had uh you know critiques that were just painful and if i didn't have my dad's encouragement and his voice in my head you know you know it would have been completely <laughs> um you know uh, life altering for me and um and it was just you know just because they weren't accustomed to the cultures that i was talking about and what i was what i was trying to do because you know I, you know i always even though i was studying design i found i would always do painting and um you know i remember my painting teacher telling me that my culture places too much of an emphasis in my work now art is culture no this is me like how many years later she literally said that and because i was working with textile techniques in painting because to me as a painter i see the world that as a painter so even textile design um it's also a type of painting it's just a different substrate and different um you know pigments and so you know at the time i didn't you know have the you know the vocabulary vocabulary to realize or the just the experience to realize that she just didn't know how to teach me because she didn't know what i was um talking about and um that was just her reaction to um her lack of of knowledge on what i was doing and um so there's situations like that that you 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 know you come across as um a black student or a student of color within the education system especially in fine art um that it's also something that you thought about at yeah. a by yeah. hiring you know five um right so it's it's a it's a holistic approach that you're taking and um i really admire that and i i can thank you admire your strength thank and the effort and i wanted to contribute to that by making um it for um a student at ocad thank you thank you thank you for the community love like i was like i always tell i always tell my boss right that's like if you love the community for real for real like the community will love you back and so thank you for that <laughs> i have to give a quick shout out to the vancouver art gallery yeah been completely amazing and very supportive i went to them with a completely crazy idea of um actually because i was doing the mural and i thought about cutting out the wall and we we would auction off the the the, the mural that's currently on the wall um but unfortunately it was a supporting wall so we couldn't do that so the next <laughs> <laughs> i mean they're planning on 
maybe they could have done it anyway, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, we were kind of trying to figure out what would the next the next best thing be and the, the prints were the next best thing. So here we are. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so um, rapid question, we'll start with you, Duane. What is the one practice that youth in design and art should cultivate now in order to be able to better sustain themselves and their community through their creativity? So I take uh, I take this experience from my martial arts background and, and basketball a bit too. And I think consistency, just showing up every day, uh, practicing your craft, whatever that might be. But then this also, you, ha you also have to play this weird game now of constantly promoting that you do a certain thing too, because <laughs> that's the part that we often forget. You can be the dopest at whatever in your studio and nobody knows. So as much as I hate to say this, you gotta use Instagram or whatever other means you can to get your work out and consistently work, consistently post, consistently share, uh, just be consistent. Mm. Good, good advice. Uh, Tafui, what's the one thing that uh, art and design Black youth can do now in order to sustain themselves and um, the community? I, I agree with what he was saying. It's so important to um, constantly have um, your voice out there. I mean, if you're going to be on TikTok, <laughs> you can just talk about your work anyway, right? Mm -hmm. um, so social media definitely is a really good tool and also you know if it's hard for you to do it on your own you can get a bunch of your friends and you can all work together and you can build each other you know because that's one thing that i also learned too from the maker community and the design community it's how supportive they are of each other and and people are sharing sources and and, um, you know, like we'll piggyback and we'll print textiles together if it costs less. And there's things like that that you can do to support each other, even though you might not have a lot of funds, but working together and also sharing, um, you, you know, someone else's work alongside with your work by helping to promote them too is also um, a very good way of, of sustaining someone else while you're trying to um, sustain your own. Okay, so um, thank you very much. So enough listening to me, uh, at least ask the questions. Let's check and see what the audience, so, so please audience, please post any questions that you have to the chat and then we'll kind of answer. So early on in the conversation, Pearl uh, posted a question that the ability to negotiate your rate starts with you assigning value to yourself and your skills and your creativity especially when you're told and um, that, that and artists are put at the bottom. So how do you how do you overcome that? Especially if you don't have like, like when you're more creative minded and less business minded. Uh, I'll go first. So okay. <laughs> I don't, I think it's, it's one of those things that you have to work on consistently. Uh, I don't know if I've fully overcome that at this point, but I think the more you um, demonstrate that you have talent and you don't necessarily have to wait for likes on Instagram either. Like mm -hmm. if you are pleased with the work that you're doing consistently uh, and you have 
like we said before, you've been paid to do that thing in the past, then put your foot down and, and, and be okay with people walking away. You have to not be afraid of people walking away. I think that's the biggest thing right there. Sometimes they're going to, they will, they'll just find somebody cheaper and you have to be okay with that. Uh, it's, it's not always easy to say when you don't, um, maybe you're, you're in a more desperate financial situation. And in that case, maybe you, you figure it out, but I think being willing to let them walk away and the more you do it, the better you get at it. (laughs) I think that's, that's really good. And that's where having um, your passive income really helps because then you have money coming in somewhere else that you are not stuck with um with that really low rate because it will happen and yes you i completely agree with you doing that you have to be okay with them walking Mm -hmm. um so for sure and i also think bill early if you bill early and you negotiate um the price at the beginning like i found you know at times i um would um, ask all the other questions except for how much the money might be. <laughs> uh, that would be my first meeting. And then I would go out and do research and then realize, oh, you want X and, and Y, but you need A, B, C. So then you can say, I know you said you um, you want um, logos for your website, a logo for your website. But you don't just need a logo for your website. You also need content. So if you're a good writer um, or if you have a friend who's a writer, you can get them. So you you can look at other areas where they're, they're also lacking. And then you can say, I can do this, but it may not have the effect that you desire because you need to have all of these things working at the same time in order for it to work effectively. And that's when you add your two thousand dollars <laughs> yeah. uh so so uh we have another question in terms of like um is there a secret sauce a special thing that can help someone stand out with their their art their art or design what's the secret sauce yeah. to standing out with your art and design you know what i, I was kind of laughing at that horrible advice that teacher gave (laughs) uh, about the culture because one thing that I I get a lot uh, is people asking they'll say I want to do something creative I want to I want to be an artist or I want to be a designer full-time whatever or I I just don't know what I just don't know what I want to do or and the secret sauce is just within you like it literally is like your culture your your life experience like that thing that is completely unique that you end up thinking is unique. And it turns out like a million people say, Hey, I experienced that exact same thing. And you can build connections that way. So yeah, the secret sauce is to me anyway, not being afraid to, to dig into those weird corners of your brain and and make things that seem like they don't make sense. Um, so I have a question. What is it, what more can we do as individuals or even for me thinking of, you know, OCAD as an institution to help designers and artists at any stage of their career know their worth 
and get others to pay them that worth? Like what, what can, what can we be doing to help besides this talk? <laughs> uh, are you going or should I go? You, you can, can go. go. <laughs> um, well, there are, people need to also, well, young designers need to also remember that design isn't just about something um, being beautiful. It's also its function and it's a problem solving tool first. So for example, I've applied some of some design principles with my work. So my work is primarily black and white, very graphic, bold patterns. Um, but it also is art for people who are colorblind. Mm. Like, mm. you know, and 50% of my um of my patrons are men you know so it, it which you know it's also associated with colorblindness so it's it's um all of those things i gathered with the data some of the things were just um um you know through meeting people i met one guy and he said you know he was colorblind. This is even before I started my business. And we were talking about what the colors that he can and can't see. And the, the I just, I was completely blown away by it. And it was something that stuck in my mind. And it's also something I thought about when I was doing um, my work. And it's, um, so if 50% of your patrons are going to be, you know, of, are, are you know, are male and, this is also a problem that um, that is being solved in a very, like, very subtle way. Um, but then there's other things that are out there now, like their current products and um, like soap dispensers in the bathroom that work um, with light, with mm -hmm. reflecting from your skin and people with darker skin, the light absorbs. Show up. <laughs> right. But the soap dispenser, it wasn't working for a lot of people with darker skin. And it's simple, simple um, problems that currently exist that we can find as designers and say, yes, the soap dispenser is beautiful and it works 60% yeah. of the time. Um, I'm going to make sure it works 100% of the, or 90% of the time. So you can find problems there and, and you know, you have access to um, the facilities at your university. I would use them as much as I possibly can, because it's a great resource and, and a great area to um, take advantage of before you leave. So for sure, I would um, look at what problems exist now that you can help to, um, to um, alleviate. So uh, the last question, because we're, we're almost coming out of time, uh, is for Duane. Um, so just um, speaking of negotiating rates, how have you dealt with pricing a client that's just starting out or has a new idea? I mean, you talked a little bit about this in terms of like your barter system, <laughs> but yeah. can you tell us a little bit more? Yeah, um, it, it's a, it, I used to have this system of um, giving assigning points to different values, like values for a job. I don't do it anymore, but I think I might go back to it. But you'd say, you know, is this going to be fun? And that might get a certain amount of points. How much is it going to pay? And that might get a certain amount of points. Or how much is this going to get 
maybe you can tell they have a great idea that is going to blow up in six months, but they just, they don't have the money now, but you can see the vision. Mm -hmm. uh, so in, in those situations, it really comes down to how much I believe in the idea. If I believe in the idea, then I might cut them a deal or I might um, do it for free. If I feel like I can negotiate some kind of um, relationship further in the future, that's going to, help propel our pays me forward or something like that. Uh, but it really, if, if it's something that I'm like, I don't really believe in this idea. I don't, um, then you, I, I would just have to let it go. Yeah. Uh, so Duane and Taufui, thank you so much. Can you believe it's been an entire hour? I don't believe it's been an entire hour. Well, thank you. Brain is working so early. <laughs> um, <laughs> So thank you for the generosity of your time. And um, more importantly, thank you for the generosity of sharing your wisdom. Um, so this has been the Black Diamond, RBC Black Diamond Ball Workshops Connect. Uh, this has been the Black Designers Connect. And as you saw, lots of wisdom being dropped in terms of how to make sure that you understand your worth and more importantly, get paid your worth and paid not just in terms of like money and dollars, although that's important to sustain yourself, but also in terms of uh, connection and community and respect and love and all those things that are really important to making us whole, especially as, as members of the black community. Um, so we'd like to thank the sponsors. So thank you, RBC. Thank you, Puma. I think there is there is there a prize happening? Is there maybe a prize happening? Check more details in terms of if there's a prize happening. And again, look forward to um, uh, connecting. Please uh, view more of the workshops connects. As you can tell, that they are full of black beauty, black joy, black wisdom, um, but real very practical advice in terms of how you can level up in your career. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, Tafui. Thank you, Duane. Thank you to the Art Experientia team. Um, and thank you all for joining us this morning. And Tafui, get to have uh, a, a nap today <laughs> for getting up so early uh, to join us uh, in Vancouver. So all of you be well, be safe, and know that you are loved. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Art Pays Me. Thank you to Langy Beats for the theme music. You can find more of his music on YouTube. If you got anything out of this, please rate, review, or leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening. You can find out more about Art Pays Me at artpaysme.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Clubhouse. I'm at Art Pays Me on all of those platforms. With that, we're out. Peace.